Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I do, I do have something on my heart that I want to share. I mean, we are, we are in this series, you know, we're talking about the idea of glorifying God and that your life is not your own. And, you know, I have lots of conversations with locals and, you know, non-locals, people that are watching online, people that have found our ministry on YouTube, whether it be through YouTube or Facebook or just different channels, you know, I, I get phone calls and emails and get to speak with people and really all over the all over the world but there's always common themes people are struggling with things from their past that they want to move forward from and they're lately one of the biggest concepts that I've been talking you know about with people is just the idea of meaning the idea of finding something in life that gives you a sense of fulfillment and it feels like that you're living for a purpose greater than just meeting personal needs and providing for your family, but you're actually making a difference, you know? I mean, how many of us want to make a difference for the kingdom in the planet, right? I mean, most people that are coming to church and involved in following Jesus are doing pretty good, right? We're doing pretty good. I mean, some better than others. Some of us have situations that are difficult and challenging that we would like to see change, whether it be relationally or financially or just your own personal decisions of your past, but in general, most of us are doing pretty good. And, and honestly, that can be a little bit of a dangerous place to be because you kind of get comfortable. We, we fall back into this, just, I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't really have any problems. I'm not doing what that guy's doing. But yet, I'm not the superstar, but I'm okay with that. But then we settle into this kind of low-level sense of emptiness and unfulfillment, right? And I don't, I don't personally, I don't want to live with that. You know, I mean, I get, Sarah and I get to do what we love. We get to engage in something on a regular basis that is meaningful and brings a sense of fulfillment. But even in that, sometimes you can get into routine, even an impactful, kingdom impactful routine where personally you start to kind of feel like, okay, well, this is pretty good. I won't say just going through the motions, but I know a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people feel like, well, I just wake up, I do my morning routine, I go to my job, I come home, I watch TV, I get up and I do it all over again. And we feel like we're in a rut. Or, you know, so I, I want to address a few different mindsets. And so if I, if I call you out, I'm not putting you in one category or the other because there are people that are bored to tears with life because they have no margin at all where they're investing in something that's greater than just their own needs being met and their family's needs being met. In other words, they don't have that thing that they can really spend time on and pour their lives into and, and, it, and it's really making a difference, but everybody craves that, right? And then you have people that are doing, that are doing well, you know, that are, but are kind of looking for, all right, yeah, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm making a difference. My family's pretty good. 
but man, I just, I just have something in me. I, I really want to contribute more. I want to, I want to get, either give more financially or I want to really be able to use the gifts that are in me. So lately, you know, I've been having conversations. Is it okay if I call out a few of you? If you don't want me to call you out, raise your hand. <laughs> That's a trick. But I'm just thinking about, like, Don and I were speaking this morning, you know, and he's retired. He's got his health. He and Judy, you know, have their health about them, and they're, they're in a good situation, got a healthy family, um, but yet just has that desire, you know. So he's talking about new career, and, and then we were talking about maybe him teaching a, maybe one of the um, Andrew Womack study guides, which, by the way, who would be interested in a weekly uh, gathering where you go through one of the Andrew Womack study guides? Yeah, okay. So did you make note of those? <laughs> Do this for me, if you would. Do me a favor. Get with Don. Maybe you make a list of those names. We're planning on the fly here, but make a list of those names, and then we'll follow up, because what we need to do is figure out the when and the where. You know, that, that's one of the limitations of this building. We would love to have traditional Sunday school, uh, and, and the only thing that I mean by tradition is that we meet on Sunday mornings, you know. But because we just don't have the space on a Sunday morning, um, it's difficult. So that's what we were talking about this morning, the, the where and the when. So maybe when you give him your name, let him know also, well, this night works best for me, this morning works best for me, and we'll, and we'll figure that out because I feel like that's something that could be really useful. So, you know, we're talking about that. I talked to Sam. Sam is... Do you want to say your age? You'd rather not? 72. He's 72 years old, and he's going back to school to get his Master of Divinity education finished. And it's something, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. It's something that he's wanted to do for a long time. And he's like, you know what? I want to contribute. We've had the same conversation. I want to give. I want to sow into people. I want to, you know, there's just something in me that I want to give more than what I'm currently experiencing, you know. And Bob, Bob is 73, taking guitar lessons still, you know, um, and doing great drywall work too, by the way, which we appreciate, you know. And so, but life is pretty good for him, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's things he'd like to change, but in general, he's got his health about him, and he's got you know, not any major issues springing up, but there's just that deeper sense of, God, I want to get better at what I already do, and I want to contribute. I just have this sense to, you know, I know he has a passion to see um, miracle signs and wonders flow, which we all want to see that, you know, but I think God will kind of poke people a little bit more than others in specific areas. You know, we all have the same spirit within us. We all can do the same stuff, but God will raise up certain people in certain areas. And so those are conversations that we've had, you know. Lots of you, I've had these conversations about, gosh, you know, I just, I just have this on my heart and I have this desire. And I think it's, you know, in general, when people bring up that mindset, it's rarely selfish. It, genuinely, it's rarely selfish. In other words, it's not, well, I want to teach so that everybody thinks that I'm a great teacher. That's rarely the situation. Or I want to, you know, do this because it'll make me look good. It's usually I want to share. I know that I have a, perp, a part, to, a role to play in God's story, right? And if you find yourself just a little bit bored, I think that's a good place to be because you, 
have to ask yourself some serious questions. What actually does bring fulfillment for me? What actually does help me experience like I'm fulfilling a role in God's story, right? So I'm, I'm reading this book this week, and I'm, I'm nearing the end of it, but it's um, Donald Miller's new book. You guys know who Donald Miller is, but he's got a new book. I think it's called Hero on a Mission. And just some of the ideas are, are interesting in there. He, he kind of gives the narrative in term of life in terms of storytelling, right? So like when you write a story, you write a novel, you create a, a screenplay for a movie or whatever, uh, a story always has similar components. You know, there's the first act, second act, third act. You want your characters to have an arc. You want your characters to have development. You know, you want to... They, you want to see them grow. You want to see them face challenges. And he presents some of these ideas that are interesting in terms of how do you think about yourself and your own life. And how do you see, and I'm adding this part because he's not really going into this, but how do you see yourself in God's story? You know, if you're a character in life, is your story solely about you or is it part of a bigger story where you're part of a greater story, God's story, his story, right? And so if you, you see certain components in stories and you see a victim, right? Maybe, maybe uh, and we've all seen this, right? The, uh, a story starts where you've got a kid who's lost a parent or something difficult has happened to them and they legitimately have a victim mindset. Well, what if that entire movie or that entire book was that kid became an adult and continued to make you know, poor choices out of their victimhood of their childhood or their past in general, even if it's an adult, and they just stay the victim the entire story. And there's no growth. There's no overcoming of challenges. Nobody wants to read. That's a tragedy, right? There are some people that you just want to watch a tragedy and it's just bad news and it's downhill all the way. But in general, man, it's really coming down out there now. In general, nobody wants to read a story where a victim stays a victim the whole time, right? So I'm thinking about this in terms of what is your story? What, is, what do you want your story to be? In other words, if you could sit down and write the story of your life and you start at the end and back yourself into where you are now, what do you want to see happen? How do you want God to use you in life in a way that's greater than what you can accomplish on your own. And, the, and, and those of us that are doing pretty good, those of us that don't have any really major issues or challenges, you know, you don't have any major financial issues, health issues, your family's doing pretty good, you know, it's, it's easy to just settle into that mindset and feel like, okay, well, you know what, I'm doing all right, but you still crave that, right? That, that's the mindset that I want to address. What are we going to do? What are you going to do to live with a sense of purpose and meaning. And you know what? I can't tell you that. Nobody can tell you that. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you how to get there to find that vein, to find that path, is realizing your life is not your own. It's not about you. Say, it's not about me. Life is not about me. Y'all didn't say that one. Life is not about me. It's not, right? Now... A servant in the kingdom of God, or better yet, a child in the kingdom of God, gets to experience the benefits of being a child, right? You got a rich daddy, you're going to experience the benefits of living under a rich daddy. You're going to experience the benefits of living in a family that has means. That's where we are. 
And it's spiritual. It's spiritual and physical and emotional. You know, it's spirit, soul, and body. And that's what we, we want to experience, the richness of, of being a child of God. But, you know, what if you had everything that you desire, you had more money than you really need, you're happy in your relationships, your kids are doing pretty good, your future looks pretty bright, but yet it's still... Mm, and I realize there are some of you that don't fit into that category. So this is not just for that mindset. It's for everybody. What are you going to do? No, you know, and, and I think a lot of us are raised with a theology where you're waiting for God to tell you what to do. And I think we still have that, you know. We're still sitting there waiting. All right, God, what, why did you make me? I'm not necessarily going into my book, which, Who Do You Love? Again, it's a helpful process. If you haven't read it and you want it and you don't have the money, I'll give it to you. I do, in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably dip into it a little bit more. But today, I just wanted to end with a, or, or send us out this week with another mindset. You know, again, I'm not putting buttons on these messages. I'm just kind of sparking a way of thinking. Because I know you want to contribute. You want to make a difference in life with the kingdom or for the kingdom greater than just your personal, greater than just you finishing the race of life and doing pretty good for yourself. You want to make a difference. I know you do. I think this is a mindset that we can have about ourselves that will put us in a position to be led by God where we're experiencing walking into those areas of fulfillment. Are you with me? So I'm not going to give you the steps as much as I'm going to give you Think about this a little bit. Think about this and who you are, who God is, your identity, and let that be the meditation of your heart for the next week, and then just let, and then start to act on what comes out of that. Does that make sense? All right, so it's a way of thinking. This series we're looking at, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, uh, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Spirit who is in you? You know, so when, when we look at, I'm not going to go back and review what I went into last week, but this is a very important question that should spring up pretty much every time you have an important decision to make. Ask yourself, man, don't I know? I mean, the Spirit of God is inside of me. So if you have an opportunity to fail or an opportunity to succeed, if you're facing temptation or you're facing an opportunity to level up, ask yourself, man, don't I know that God is in me? How is this going to... So there, there's lots of dynamics of that. How is this going to reflect on the kingdom? What does this mean in terms of I have access to this wisdom, sanctification, righteousness. I have access to this in light of this. So you're facing a temptation. Don't I know that the Spirit of God is in me? Why would I continue to let myself be tempted in this area? Why would I let myself continue to fail over and over and over? If you have that mindset and you stay the victim, your life will be a tragedy. But you have the choice to change the arc of your character in your own story to grow and succeed. But it's up to you. You got to face it. You got to deal with whatever it is that's inside of there that's keeping you locked into that, right? And the Lord will be there to help you and walk you through it. So if you're facing difficulty, don't, man, don't I know that God is in me? I, I, why do I keep doing Why do I keep thinking this way? Why do I keep making this choice? Why do I keep failing? The problem is, is most of us get our pet sins into a manageable container. 
and it's there, you don't like it, it bothers you, and you look at it, you feel guilt and shame, and it's, you don't enjoy it, whether it be anger or overeating or something more nefarious than that. You know? You're just there, it's messing with you, but you're okay with it because it's there and it's not really ruling or affecting your life. But every now and then you stick your hand in that viper pit and it bites and it hurts for a little while and then you figure out how to move. Are you with me? Because yep. I can get you to tell me what your favorite sins are if you want. We could do that. Maybe kind of interesting. There's an exercise that I do, but I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. It's a fun little illustration, but we're not going to do it right now. Don't you know that the Spirit of God is in you? Right? So when you're thinking about meaning and you're, want, you're wanting your life to count more than what it's counting for now, and, and again, so just thinking about this idea, I sent out a blog this past week and I was talking about these concepts and, and uh, you know, I mentioned in there, it's great to provide for your family. I don't remember exactly what I said. But I triggered someone, and I got an email back from this guy, and he said, I work 65 hours, and I provide for my family. You're telling me i got to go also minister beyond that? I bet you don't work. And he kind of came at me. He was offended, and I get it. I understand. You know, it could be taken a wrong way. But I emailed him back, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm really, this email, this article was really more for the mindset of people who feel stuck in their lives, and they feel like they're just, it's like Groundhog's Day. They're just living the same day over and over. I said, so I appreciate that you get great satisfaction and fulfillment out of providing for your family. Awesome. Not really talking to you in this one then, you know. But for those people that it just feels mundane, that's who I'm more so talking to. So these are the concepts. These are the mindsets. This is the way of thinking that we have to settle into and realize. And there's responsibility in this, right? It, you, we don't have the luxury to just get to the end of life and think, well, I did pretty well for myself, but did I really engage the Spirit in such a way that pushed me into a little bit more uncomfortable area where I experienced growth and me and God did something together that was greater than what I could do on my own? Some of us can do pretty good on our own. And that's where a lot of successful and wealthy and you know, intelligent people, they feel like they don't need God because I think we've presented God as that's who you go to to get out of trouble. That's who you go to as a crutch. You know, so a lot of people that are doing all right on their own, they don't feel like they need God. You know anybody like that? And those are people are difficult to talk to. And, and if God is only there for difficult times and trouble, then you don't need God. But if He is the King of all, and if we are part of something bigger than just our lives and our needs, then what we're trying to do is create an environment on this planet where people know God, experience Him, follow Him, live His ways, and there's a fulfillment deeper than just external needs. You know, I think, I think we have to level up. You know, I was listening to a, a conversation between Jordan Peterson and a priest. I'm defaulting back to Jordan Peterson again, but, but I just thought it was such an astute observation on Peterson's part. And if you don't know who that is, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to explain, but, but Peterson said something that was like, oh man, that, that's, that's profound really. But he said to this priest, he said, um, is, you know, I think the reason that the church is not as effective as it is, is because 
you're not challenging the people to the level that God would challenge them to. Now, that's not a direct quote, but that's essentially the idea. You know, and you're kind of making it easy. You're not, you're not setting the standards of living beyond just your own lives, essentially. You're, you're placating to people. You're patting them on the back when they fail. You're, you know, not challenging them to grow and, and beyond their own means and their own state in life. You know, he said, he said basically the church is making it easy for people. Now, the legalistic preacher would say, that's right. We got to hit them hard. We got to step on their toes. And if they don't feel uncomfortable when they leave church, then we're not doing our jobs. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being better to become more holy or more righteous. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I think it's just that very thing that God would lead me to be. What would that look like? And it's not about performance. It's about, uh, to me, it's more about fruit. It's about an apple tree being the healthiest it can be, having the healthiest root system, having the proper alignment of, you know, within the soil, growing the healthiest apples it can possibly grow. To me, that's God's expectation for us, is that we position ourselves to be as healthy as we can, nourished by Him, and as fruitful as we can possibly be in a natural process of us just digging our roots into Him. Which is really, you know, I'm jumping around in my mind, but I'm thinking about Jesus teaching in Mark 4 and Matthew 13, the, the parable of the sower and the seed, which is really a parable of the heart, the condition of the heart being receptive to the Word of God. The receptivity of your heart, your inner man, where you believe to the Word of God determines the degree of the kingdom yield in your life. So in other words, your heart being the soil for the Word, how receptive or in agreement you are inwardly to the Word of God will determine how much fruit that Word produces in your life. It's really a pretty simple concept. Your heart's the soil. The Word is the seed. How healthy are you inwardly to produce fruit? That's our job. Inwardly be as healthy as possible. Because the seed's going to do what it's going to do, right? The, the seed is not, that's not your responsibility to grow the seed. It's your responsibility to be healthy soil. Not in a performance-mindedness, although performance is a factor, but just being receptive to His Word and putting it in there, making sure that you're cultivating and stewarding as a gardener that Word that's in there. Dealing with the little, you know, so like in my mind, I'm seeing the tree, right? And if you got something that comes on to the tree, some type of parasite or something, you gotta, you gotta deal with that parasite. You gotta clean out the bird's nest. You gotta, you know, get the dead limbs out of there. You gotta, do, you gotta prune and take care of this tree. That's dealing with our behaviors. That's dealing with our mindsets, our choices, all of that stuff. We're, we're continually trying to be as healthy of a soil as we can be to let God flow through us as, as full force as He possibly can flow through us. Amen? I don't want to hinder what He wants to do through me. That's why I want to stay out of sin. That's why I want to be in agreement with His Word. That's why I want to read the Bible because I want to make sure that I'm inwardly tuning myself and preparing uh, to host the Word. And I think if the body lived that way, man, we would make such a greater impact on this planet. You know, rather than going after political issues, well, political issues are important. I think we start on the wrong end of the equation a lot of times. You know, Christianity starts with behaviors and fruit, and it's like, no, you got to deal with root issues first. So, 
asking yourself, don't I know that the Holy Spirit's in me? An unlimited resource of help and provision is in me in every situation. Never, ever do I lack anything because God is in me. Are you kidding me? Don't you know? Don't you know? I mean, I see yourself in a point. Don't you know that God is in there? What are you doing? Why are you limiting? Why are you, why are you bored? Not to beat you up, but it's like, man, we're just not realizing how great of a, of a being is in us. And, and again, you know I know, I know, I know what that does is it lends itself to questions like, well, what, what, do I, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? Tell me the next step. Tell me the... That's not my job. My job is not to tell you the step to take. It's to encourage you to follow him. And then you go with him. Now, I would absolutely love to sit down with any of you and chat and, and, and hear your thoughts and be a sounding board to help you determine what your next steps might be as, you, as the Holy Spirit leads you. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of helping you think things through. I love to do that. But I'm not telling you what that next step is for you. You're the host. It's a relationship between you. But there are principles that we stick to. Knowing that um, the Spirit of God is in you and you are not your own for you were bought with a price. You are not solo in your story. You're part of something greater. You just are. And I think that deep sense of desire for meaning and purpose, you know, you have to nurture that, but you nurture it from the perspective of when I'm believing to receive from God, it's not just about me. It's for a greater picture. It's for a bigger picture. It's for more of an impact than just my personal needs being met. So therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We talked a bit about that last week. So just this idea of living with meaning. This week, to wrap up this idea, I want to give you just kind of an example, right? So, so don't you know the Spirit of God lives in you? Your life is not your own, for you were bought with a price. So in other words, okay, it's not just me. I want to put Christ in the center I want to make decisions out of knowing that I'm part of his kingdom and I'm not just building my own kingdom. And what does that look like? So as I was praying about this, uh, I felt like God brought in the idea of marriage, right? So Sarah and I have been married, it'll be 25 years in May. Wow. I know that uh, Glenn and Elizabeth are down in Costa Rica celebrating their 25th anniversary. Any other anniversaries coming up? You just had one, 50. Sam and Keenan just had their 50th anniversary, which is awesome. Um, but so in marriage, right, rarely do I make a decision where I'm not thinking about her, how it impacts her, what's best for her, or what we are, what our common goals are. You know what I mean? Like rarely do I make a decision and it's like, well, this is what I want. There are some of those areas like that. And, you know, and I think that's okay. But in general, most of my decisions I'm thinking about, well, what are we going to eat? What are we going to talk to Reese about this week for school? What, are, what, are, what do we think about what Sydney's path is where she's in that transition state of, you know, 
a child to an adult? What are, what, are, what, are we, what are our financial goals? What is it that we, you know what I mean? It's rarely me. I mean, I am thinking about it in terms of me, but it's we. And, I, and honestly, everybody that's married does that. You know, you do it naturally. You just default to it. it it's just part of the process. But what if we had that mindset with God? What if we had the mindset with, you know what? I am his spouse. And so then you think about, you know, really, he refers to us as his bride, the bride of Christ. I love this passage. We talk about it a lot. I quote it a lot. Um, I think I even brought it up a few weeks ago in another series. But just this idea, again, I want to put some things into your thinking of how to think about your relationship with God. If you're having that desire for a deeper sense of fulfillment, living with meaning for a purpose. And again, I don't, you know, you, you Bottom line, your purpose, in other words, the reason you exist, why did God create you? To be his child. That's number one. Your purpose is to be God's child. Now, from that identity, you then live with meaning for a purpose, right? So God, you're here because God wanted you as his child. And when you acknowledge him as your father, you acknowledge that you're in his family through Christ, your purpose, in other words, the reason you exist, is fulfilled. Because a lot of people are taught you're created for one thing. And when you find out you do one thing better than anybody else on this planet, and unless you're doing that one thing, you're not really fulfilling your purpose, that's baloney. They just, people just make that stuff up. You can't find that in Scripture. God, the reason God created you, the reason He created everything, is for His good pleasure. That, like when, it, when, you look, when you look at God's intentions about creation, there's very few times it's addressed, but it's always clear He created everything for His good pleasure. And then we know that it's, it's His good pleasure to give us His kingdom. God didn't make you because He needed you to fulfill a job description. But now that you're here and you recognize Him as your Father and you are in his family and a productive member in his kingdom, then out of that sense of meaning, in other words, the kingdom advancing, now what's my purpose that I'm living for? It's, it's a little bit of a paradox. You're not, you're not trying to be something to justify your existence because I think that's how a lot of people feel. They feel like I've got I've to do something to justify why I'm even breathing air. But until you can settle in just the idea, God loves me. I'm his child. Purpose fulfilled. Done. Amen. I am at peace. I am at rest. But the world is messed up, and I want to be productive. So what am I going to live toward? You actually have a hand in deciding that purpose. It's not just you. God's not just going, I want you to do this in spite of everything. Don't say that you don't like Africa because God will make you a missionary to Africa. You know, all that dumb stuff people say. So this passage here is what I'm talking about. Again, creating mindset to birth meaning out of Isaiah 54, 4. So, the, so this is Isaiah 54. This, is, this will be revolutionary to you. Isaiah 54 is after 53. <laughs> anyway, the reason that's significant is because 53 and into 54 is God prophesying the Messiah, obviously, Isaiah 53. We just went through that a couple of weeks ago. And then 
the relationship with those who receive the Messiah and God's desire of that people to make a difference in the earth. Because remember, the overall picture is this. God desires a holy nation of kings and priests that He can bless to the point that they're a blessing to every other nation on the earth. That they would teach the ways of God and people come to His people to learn His ways. That's the big picture. That's the story that God is trying to create in this earth is blessing a group of people that bless the nations of the earth, that through them and recognize through Christ, this is the way. That's, that's the big picture. And in the midst of that, we have to understand who we are in relation to Him. Now, this is interesting. I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's reverent and holy. It's different. You kind of have to think about yourself differently when you look at this, but... This is to the people of God. In other words, say, this is talking about me. This is talking about you. The language of Israel is used, but Israel is the people of God, and we are the people of God through faith. Read Galatians 3. All right, Isaiah 54, 4. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore, for your maker is your husband. That phrase, man, I'm telling you. I think about that often. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Don't you know that the Spirit of God is in you? You know, marriage is a uh, reflection of our union with God. I mean, Paul teaches that. It's a mystery. We become one. You know, we leave the structure of our parents and we are joined together as one. That's the kind of relationship that we're in with God. The Lord, our maker, is our husband. Now, think about marriage. You know, those of you that are married, had been married, I know that some of that might be a little bit painful for you, but just kind of set that aside for just a moment and just think about this idea. In marriage... You're constantly thinking about each other. You know, not, not, not in a codependent type of way, but out of your union in this earth together and your joint responsibilities, you're thinking, okay, how does this affect this person? It's we. Every decision is we. Begin to think about your relationship with God that way. I think the church has framed our relationship with God in that He's our God. Yes, He is the Lord God, our Maker, and we're responsible to Him to make good choices because He's leading us and we want to live a life that's glorifying to Him. But what if He's right there beside you and He's collaborating with you? He's joined Himself to you as in a marriage, and you're doing it together. How does that change? You know? So in other words, your desires count. Your, your will matters. You have a say-so in what you're going to do. Nobody wants to say, well, what are we going to eat tonight? Well, I don't know. What do you want to eat tonight? You, you just decide. How frustrating is that? And they always say, well, I don't, you just decide. Uh, are you with me? No pointing. That's against the rules. No pointing. Um, and here's an interesting... So, all right. So, given what I know about marriage... A lot of the marriage counseling that I've done and, and premarital counseling and, and just talking to people in marriage and, and, and it's like some people have made some pretty poor spouse choices. You know anybody like that? 
And, and we make those poor spouse choices out of our own insecurities, our failures, our lack of wisdom. And that, like, why does somebody choose the wrong spouse? Why does somebody let the wrong person choose them? Think about that, right? A lot of people just end up in a marriage because somebody else chose them. And it ends up either being a controlling situation or a toxic type situation, you know? I mean, how many of you had known somebody that married the wrong person or just shouldn't have married that person because they weren't at a place to be a co-equal in that relationship? It was just unhealthy because that person wasn't ready or they're the wrong person for you or they need to work on this. Or maybe you married that person because you thought you could fix them. And so your life becomes about fixing this person's problems because apparently their mama never set them free. They're still waiting for their mama to wipe their butts for them. And you have taken on that role. Reverse the genders. It happens that way as well. I mean, honestly, think about it. How many of you know divorced people? And it's like, man, it's, it's either the wrong spouse or that person is in a place where they're, they're just not healthy to engage in that relationship. Now think about this. Do you think God would choose an unhealthy, toxic spouse? The Lord, your maker, is your husband. We are the bride of Christ. What kind of spouse do you think God would choose? Is he codependent? Is he looking for a spouse that he needs to fix? Is God lacking in and of himself and this person completes him? You complete me. Does God need a project? I mean, think about it, you know? This idea hit me this week, and it's like, wow, man, yeah. There must be something about me that God sees that I don't see. We are a healthy spouse for the Lord God Almighty. You're the bride of Christ that God enjoys being in relationship with. He's the one that developed this language. He's the one that tells us how he thinks. Yes, he is our judge, our Lord, the one to whom we are accountable, but he frames himself in relationship after we're born again as a marriage. You are the spouse of the living God. Think about the most healthy couple that you know. Think about that for just a minute. The most healthy couple that you know. I mean, I know some of us, we got to think a little bit. You think about me and Sarah. That's all right. We'll own that. <laughs> but think about, I mean, think about that. Where both spouses are contributing partners. Both are healthy. They love each other. Their offspring is loving. Think, just think about that. Do you think God would choose an unhealthy, unhealthy, toxic spouse? If you think 
anything less of yourself, then you don't have a very high opinion of who God is. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but that set with me this week that just really started to make me think, man, I am living below the potential of what God sees in me. Now, I don't want that to be a source of guilt. I don't want that to be a source of, man, I've got a lot of work to do. And we got to jump on the horse of performance to become worthy of Him because He's already made us worthy, right? Christ has made us worthy. The blood of Christ has washed us and cleansed us and made us perfect. You are the perfect spouse in spirit for God, who God is looking forward to spending eternity with. God is so excited about His future with His bride, which is you. And if you think less of yourself than what God sees, you're selling Him short. So true humility is to lay aside how I'm feeling about myself and put on the mindset that's in agreement with what God sees about me. Now, you step outside of yourself when you go to face life then. You know, God has great meaning for His life to have you in it. There's great meaning to God to have you in His life. Really? Yeah. He, he came up with the language. It's Him. He took the steps to join Himself to you. Amen? So when you're thinking about life, you're thinking about what's in me. What is it that I want to see God use me for? You're not a pawn on His chessboard. You're not a rat in His experimental maze to find some cheese, and He keeps moving the walls for you to see if He can test you, see if you'll give up or not. No. It's a collaborative, loving relationship that you're in with Him, that He highly values you, that He is willing to lay His own life down for you. I mean, marriage to Him is husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave Himself for the church. That's how God sees Him. So He gave Himself for this marriage. And wives, respect your husbands, right? There's a mutual respect there. That's our role. We respect Him as He loves us. We love Him because He first loved us. So when you're thinking and having this deeper search for meaning and you're thinking about, man, I'm, yeah, ooh, I just, you know, life is pretty good, but I'm, I find myself a little bit bored. There's more that I want to sow. I just, you know, think about, I'm married to God. And what do His plans of the future look like? I want to sit and dream with Him. Now, I'm not trying to tell you what should come out of that. I just want to put you in that, at that table with Him where you recognize who you are in Him, how He sees you, and you go from there. Are you with me? Yes. Go from there. Take it and run with it because you are more than you realize that you are. And when you collaborate with God out of that relationship, man, what would that look like? Just think, just, just there's a picture that I'm seeing right now. If God manifested out of heaven and he has his bride with him and they're walking around planet earth, 
what does that marriage look like? What are the what is the effects of that marriage? What is the effects of the his bride being connected with him, walking in this earth together? Man, Father, we we repent from limiting our value. Uh, we repent, we change our minds from limiting our potential. And we repent from selfishness. In other words, life is not just about me, it's about us. Father, thank you for loving me like you do. It's amazing. Thank you that you've framed this relationship where you've joined yourself to me and I am with you and we are one and we are announcers of your kingdom. We rule and reign together in this earth out of healthy, unified relationship. Father, I want to reflect that inwardly in myself to glorify you. I want to reflect, I want that to be reflected in my choices that say, oh, that's the bride of the living God. That is the bride, that is the healthy, provided for, empowered bride of God. Father, we thank you. We trust you. We humble our mindsets about ourselves and we put on our new man. The Lord God, your maker, is your husband. That is our mindset. We want to live out of that meaning. You have such great meaning for having us in your life. We want to honor that and represent you well so that the people of this planet know how good you are. We trust you and we love you. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's put your attention on him. If you're giving today, they're going to have slides rotating for you to see the options. If you're watching online, it's your first time with us, thank you for being with us. Make sure you stay connected. We want to be a blessing to you. And if you're hearing this and you want to have these kinds of conversations, you want to have some conversations like I described with Don, and, and a lot of you have had these conversations, if you think, okay, yeah, this is what's on my heart. I want to get either plugged into this or I don't see this happening at this church, but this is a passion for me. Let's talk about it. Do you hear, do you hear me? Let's talk about it because I want to help you plug into something that, where you're living out of a sense of meaning for a purpose. I really do. I want to help you walk that path with him. Amen?